Ladies and gentlemen, it's time! The Ultimate Fighter Season 31 Reaction Show, brought to you by Carshield. Hosted by Michael Adler. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, you heard the man, Bruce Buffer himself. This is the Tough 31 Reaction Show, Episode 9, hosted by yours truly, Michael Chandler. I was there. I lived it. You're going to hear about it today. This show is brought to you by Car Shield, and thank you guys so much for tuning in every single week. The response thus far has been absolutely awesome, and thank you so much to all of you guys who have clicked the link and entered into our giveaway. Now, what is our giveaway? As Connor gets our winner... I'll tell you exactly what it is. My favorite book of all time, written by James Allen back in the turn of the century, back in the early 1900s, a signed copy of As a Man Thinketh with a very special bookmark, a signed Panini card by yours truly. That'll go right inside of your book and be shipped out after the last episode airs in August. So, Connor, hit us with the winner for this week. This week, we've got Dean Gardner from Colorado. Dean Gardner from Colorado, which is very fitting, Dean, because our boy who fights this week, Austin Hubbard, uh, against Roosevelt Roberts, Austin Hubbard trains out in Colorado. How did Dean enter the giveaway by clicking the link? He won because he subscribed to us on YouTube. He subscribed to us on YouTube. So there's a bunch of different ways to enter the giveaway. We still have, uh, there'll be three more of these packages going out. Um, we've already had, this is our ninth winner, uh, ninth one of these packages by either subscribing to YouTube, um, downloading the podcast, downloading Walk On Fitness, my, my online fitness program. There's a bunch of different ways. And obviously, um, the bigger the uh, subscription or the bigger the ask or the do by you, the more entries you get. And you could be like Dean from Colorado and get yourself one of these cool packages. So um, congratulations to him and congratulations to all of our winners. And thank you guys so much for being here. Now, episode nine, we are past the semifinals. Team Chandler goes seven and one. They almost, we almost pulled off a never been done before first of its kind history making sweep. But the man, Rico DeShulo from Boston, um, goes out there and gets the win over Hunter Azure. So we got one left on Team McGregor and seven left on Team Chandler. So now we're in the semifinals, which means Team Chandler is going to fight Team Chandler. Um, but were the teams going to stay the same? That was always the question. And we always know, if you have ever, if you followed the Ultimate Fighter for now, this is 31 seasons, um, when there's big swings and wins like this where one team is dominating or, or sometimes it could be, it could be uh neck and neck four and four, eight and eight, whatever it might be. Um, they'd still sometimes throw in little uh, zingers in there because they want to keep you on your toes. That's one thing you realize about reality TV, even though it's not like all these other trash reality TV shows you guys see everyone, everyone asks the most common question. Hey, how much of that stuff is scripted? Hey, how much of that stuff did they set up? How are they cutting it? This really was shot very much like a sports documentary, more than a reality TV show. There was never a moment uh, where they really kind of set us up or said, Hey, you have to say this. It would be our suggestion. Wink, wink. If you did this. And it's like, this was very much following team Chandler, following team McGregor throughout this entire process. And it was a lot of fun. So, um, first thing is we want to show you guys a clip because obviously, as I said, we had seven on team Chandler, one on team McGregor. So, you know, conventional wisdom would say, Hey, um, we need to make some switches here, even though we'll find out and see what my guys think. So, um, 
one of the first scenes, the guys go into the tough house. They walk into the tough house and you can kind of see the, you can hear the audio of, okay, let's see what we got. So these guys think that they're just going to see the matchups for the next round, but really there's uh, some color changing here. So hit us with the clip real quick. So um, let's see what it is. Let's see what it is. Who we got? Who we got? Carlos, the first oh, one to see the board. Then Kurt. Right, right there, Kurt yes, and Jason. Uh, I almost missed that the first time I saw it. They they fist bump because they finally get the Louisiana versus Mississippi matchup. Um, posted them at the house. It's going to be teammates Austin Hubbard and Roosevelt Roberts. So since Chandler's team ended up with seven fighters in the semis, there's Brad Katona looking. Idea to have three of them move <laughs> over to train with Team McGregor, but ultimately, since this is the biggest fight of their lives. I'm gonna leave the final decision. Pause it right now. there. there so go. this was this was one thing that Dana said that he didn't actually tell me. So they don't show it. These guys saw this the night before. No contact with them because they don't have phones. They come into the gym the next day and say, "Well, uh, Austin, Kurt, and Katona are all." on the blue column of the board up there. And I'm like, okay, so what does that mean? Does that mean you guys have to go over there? Are you forced to go over there? Are you now team McGregor? It doesn't matter what I say, what you say. Um, and then as I've said numerous times on this show right here, the reaction show, as I give you my insight to how this whole thing went, um, they were, when it comes to the reality show production crew, right? They are very, very, very in control of what you do. Hey, you can't wear these clothes. You can't wear these sponsors. Hey, you can't do this. Hey, you have to be here at this time. You have to do this, have to do this, have to do this. Then there was times where I'm like, hey, I need an answer. And everybody's like, nope, not me. I, I don't have that answer. Go talk to this guy. Go talk to that guy. So, so all of their jobs were on the line because they could not leak information to us about what was happening in the future. And the future could be one hour from now. The future could be today's practice and it's already, you know, 9.45, we start at 10 and there's like, nope, not me. Don't ask me, man. Go talk to that guy. That guy's got an earpiece, go talk to him. And then even the guy who was supposed to have the answers sometimes wouldn't have the answer. So it's funny listening to Dana uh, in this little interview here saying, you know, hey, I thought we'd switch it up. It'd be four and four, you know, have three guys switch over to Team McGregor. But ultimately it's up to these guys to figure it out. I'm like, well, hey, Dana, I wish you would have told me that. Cause I had no freaking clue. Um, so anyways, we, we kind of figured it out. Uh, roll the, roll some more clips here. We got, um, Rico and, uh, Rico and Cody. They're like, I don't know what's happening here, uh, but I know we're fighting. What was really cool. These two, these two had a, uh, a card game that they must've not finished going into the next practice. And now they're like, well, let's go finish our card game. That's how this was now they're finishing their card game with the guy the day before or even the practice before they didn't know that they were going to fight each other now all of a sudden you're playing cards against the guy that you're going to fight uh, my man kurt hollaball here red team chandler i'm definitely not switching teams i love our coaches i love the way we train I'm not a fan of Conor McGregor, and I'm not a fan of the way they've been training. I mean, look, it My says dudes, Team McGregor, oh, and those are the names. Everyone's confused. All I know is we're fighting, bro. All I know is we're fighting, bro. From Boston, Rico. Uh, and hats off to Rico for being the one the one guy on Team Chandler who you know kind of moved on via fights. Jason and And now we got Bracketone. No I don't think so. Jason said he'll go home if he switches. He's like, I'm not fighting, I'll go home. Yeah. And then uh, I get it. I might as well hop on over to my team, though. So I might yeah, as well yeah, hop sure. on over yeah, to my team. And then Aaron and Roe, though, uh, they might switch. One of them might switch. So. Or Austin. I mean, Katona looking for so. validation yeah. for the decision I he knows he already made. Switching teams but. for some could be a difficult proposition. Difficult proposition. For myself, my best position to succeed is to be reunited with my coach. 
John Kavanaugh. You know, my coach back in Ireland. <laughs> so well his best Christy. chance to succeed is to be reunited with his his coach, uh, John Kavanaugh, which makes a lot of sense to me. I we kind of already kind of already thought that if Brad won, that he was probably and there was some team switching. The most likely one to go switch uh, was obviously him. Not just because you know it's it's where he trains out in Ireland and Co- Coach Kavanaugh has been his coach, his nutritionist. He said, but also. Our team was our team was close, man. Seven of our seven of the guys on our team was close, and then there was one guy who wasn't that close. And that's not an indictment on Brad. Um, Brad just didn't fit the mold. I, th- I feel like there was always a there was always a question of his loyalty. That goes all the way back to to episode one, where these guys were talking about Brad and little rumblings here and there, where guys were like, "Yeah, no, man, we're all we're all in a good spot," you know, because I I'm as the coach, you know the dad of the, of the whole thing, right? My name is on the back of the Jersey. I'm always kind of figuring out guys, emotions, figuring out where guys' heads are at, you know? And all the, so all the time I'd ask questions like, no, man, everyone's, everyone's doing good, man. Yeah, no, I know we got to fight this guy and this guy fighting that, fighting that guy. You know, everyone's, everyone's meshing really well, man, except for Brad. (laughs) And I'm like, oh man, dude, like, and I felt, felt sorry. Uh, so it was funny. Actually, before this, I made a joke to, to Connor over there in the corner. I was like, yeah, Brad Katona's best chance for winning was to switch teams and go over to Coach Kavanaugh. But my best chance for having mental, my mental health and my mental sanity was to have Brad go over to the other team. But it was kind of a joke, just joking, Brad. Um, but ultimately, I saw that one coming. Um, the, the matchup between, let's unpack and go back to last episode. If you guys remember, uh, you guys hear me talk, heard me talking like, Hey, do I lie to Dana when I go into this meeting? You know, I'm kind of listening to what Connor's saying, um, kind of feeding off of what Dana is saying. We're completely sequestered and quarantined. I'm with the coaches. All the fighters leave us for like an hour or so, and they're all getting interviewed. And you saw that in the last episode. I'm always thinking, okay, how do I get these guys to the UFC? What matchups uh, to let these guys shine, to get these guys to the UFC. Uh, and, and when he asked me, hey, who do you think is the most talented guys on your team at lightweight? I said, Roosevelt and Austin. I think Austin has the most amount of tools. And I think Roosevelt, the way he carries himself and the confidence that he has, um, plus the skills that he had, those would be like kind of my number one and number two, if you will, 1A and, and 1B, so to speak. So I thought those guys were going to end up not fighting this week. Um, but lo and behold, you know, we got those two guys fighting this week. Um, and I think it's, um, all these, as I I keep going back to the mentality of all these guys too, because man, the X's and O's, I get it. Um, you know, punches, kicks, knees, elbows, there's fight, there's fights going on, but ultimately too, it's, it's the spirit of a man. It's the brain, the heart, uh, the soul of a man. Um, and Roosevelt was obviously, you know, one of those guys who, uh, didn't really, didn't really come in wanting to make friends. Um, and turned out him and Austin, you know, are going to have to fight. But uh, so next we want to break down the fight um, and kind of we're going to show you guys the highlights. And I want to kind of unpack a couple things, un- unpack some things that Dana said, unpack some things that uh, Roe and Austin uh, both said and kind of unpack the the feeling of how the, the, the gym and the training sessions and the kind of the team camaraderie, did it change? Did it change a lot after now these guys were fighting? Um, you'll hear my thoughts after we get done breaking down this fight. So um, these guys have been training together now for the last almost four weeks. Um, they go from fo- friends to now foes, um, or at least foes inside the octagon. Um, and now uh, we get to watch these guys uh, get after it. Roosevelt Roberts versus Austin Hubbard. Connor's sitting there 
um, in his suit because he didn't have a dog in this fight. Um, but first round, and Dana talked about it a lot. He expected, he's like, I expected these guys to go out and throw bombs. There's a spot in the finale riding on this. There is a spot in the finale. This is their chance. They kept their distance. They seem to be feeling each other out, and there was absolutely no sense of urgency whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, he said there's no sense of urgency. That's a little tough. We've been training with each other for four weeks. Right. So started off a little, you know, a little slow, really trying to get the range. And slow is a very fluid term. It doesn't, it's not a negative thing. Like slow means you're not throwing caution to the wind. You're kind of navigating and negotiate the distance. First round was a total toss up. Um, I would say the exact same thing, uh, but I think Austin's got the slight edge in that round. Again, both guys are throwing good shots. Second round, you see guys throwing with a little bit more ill intention, if you will. Um, now they've got the distance, and, and then Austin gets this, secures this takedown, and that's kind of where I would give the edge to Austin in round two. In this fight, was can he go out there, stop Bro's offense on the feet? get the takedown and kind of win that, that those grappling exchanges. So um, Austin was able to do that in the second round. Austin was able to get that, that takedown and a lot of, of a lot of control. Um, I would assume that as well. So now you got a toss up in the first, Austin wins a second. And this third round, now it's kind of go for broke. And in the third round, Roe gets a takedown of his own. And Roe, this was very surprising to me. Not that I didn't think Roe could take him down, but Roe going out there and getting the takedown. And, and, and then Austin not being able to get up. Control there. I thought Austin would, would have kind of hand fought, got had, himself to the cage and got up quicker. I was not impressed. You know, we want guys in the UFC that Oof. take control, look to finish. You would think that Roosevelt and Austin would know that considering they've both been here before, but they weren't aggressive. And whoever wins this, aggressive. I just hope they look better in the finale. Hope they look better in the finale. Right, let's go, guys. Hit it. That round, in my eyes, was kind of up in the air as well. Yeah. So, to me, round one was up in the air. Round two was up in the air. I would give the third round up to Roosevelt, if anybody. I didn't know who won this fight. And I didn't know who was going to win the fight. Winner by split decision, Austin Hubbard. Austin Hubbard. Um, so, that's tough, man. Um, I didn't want either of them to lose. Um, I wanted them both to win. It's absolutely impossible for that to happen. Um, but as far as unpacking the fight, you know, it is so tough. I'll start with the toughest part about it. When you got the, the biggest and best promoter on the entire planet, Dana White, saying things like, I wasn't impressed. I hope they look better in the finale. Um, they didn't have a sense of urgency. They weren't that aggressive. That's, it is tough to hear. Um, cause ultimately for me, you know, them hearing that, last night on the show when it aired on ESPN, I'm sure the pain that they felt is the same pain that I'm feeling right now. Um, because I don't want the biggest promoter on the planet to say that about me ever or my guys, because my goal is to, yeah, even if they don't win the show, they get on, they get into the, they get into the, the UFC with a contract some way, somehow that was always my goal. Um, but as far as the fight goes, you know, I think the first round was definitely a toss up. I would give the edge to Austin. Here, here's how I break down Austin and Roosevelt. Austin um, continues to impress me every single time I was watching him train. Every And obviously in that first fight against Aaron McKenzie, the amount of weapons that he has, his ability to switch stances and his ability to throw punches from weird angles and strikes from weird angles, um, 
almost the effortless nature in which he's able to lift his legs, whether it be a kick or a knee or the effortlessness that he, he uses with his hands. If he doesn't have his hands up, he's got them down by his pockets and he wings them up there. And it looks like they aren't moving that fast, but they're sneaky fast and they are sneaky, sneaky hard. That's why his nickname is Thud, um, Thud Austin Hubbard. So um, he he had more tools and showed more tools than Roosevelt, but Roosevelt's ability to stay disciplined and stay behind the jab, um, which is what got him the, the first round very quick knockout, one of the fastest knockouts in tough history. Um, that first week against Nate Jennerman, just a straight one-two down the pipe. The second one-two, boom, hits him behind the ear. He goes down and finishes him. Roosevelt's length, um, you can't can't see the tail of the tape, but I just looked at it. Six, he's six-two, so he's a very tall, lightweight, and he uses that length very, very well. Um, but he is a lot more basic, which is not a bad thing. Just because Austin is less basic, more unconventional, and has more tools and uses more tools, doesn't mean that you can't be extremely successful by being brilliant with the basics in this sport. And Roosevelt, I believe, is just that. Just because he lost tonight by split decision, I think. And I, we were talking. I was talking to Connor earlier. When we were watching this episode. Is both of these guys? deserve to be in the UFC. I get, you know, Dana saying they, they didn't have a sense of urgency. Put these guys against a guy that they don't know, that they didn't just spend a bunch of time with, that they, that they didn't talk about their families and their hardships and their struggles with and being on this reality show that we call The Ultimate Fighter. Put them in against anybody in the top 20 in the lightweight division. They're going to go out there and they're going to get a win. That's my true belief. Both of these guys deserve, deserve to be in the UFC. Um... So, you know, round one was a toss up. I would give the edge to Austin just because there wasn't a lot of strikes landed in the first round. But I think Austin, with the way that he moved in his ring generalship, because you got to remember, there's th basically three things they're looking for um, aggressive and effective striking, uh, cage control, or grappling and ground control. Those are the kind of the three things that you're always looking at, as well as the judges kind of mindset of, okay, who do I think won that fight? If it's a 50 50 toss up, who do I think was more aggressive? Who I think looked like they, they were more in control of the fight? First round, I would say that would be Austin. Second round um, was definitely Austin with that takedown. Then the third round, you know, if you had it Austin two to nothing going into the third round, um, you think Austin could kind of, uh, I guess, coast a little bit. And maybe that's what he did by not getting not getting uh, stood up against Roe. Roe got the takedown and Austin was on the ground much of that first round. But those guys were throwing with a little bit more ill intention um, in that third round trying to trying to put it on each other but um it's tough to watch you guys lose um you know we got a clip of it, a, a, a very interesting um thing that we want to break down right when we go after this break um about more of the mentality because like i said the x's and o's are going to take care of themselves that's why we watch the sport right you want to see people get knocked out you want to see the cuts you want to see the bruises you want to see people in pain you want to see the agony of defeat coupled with the thrill of victory you want to see all that stuff um but the mentality and the spirit of the human being in these shows is, is, uh, it's been awesome to watch. And I lived it. I was there, you know, all the, every single day, but even reliving it and rewatching it on TV, you can really feel the energy, um, at a cellular, cellular level, uh, with these guys. But right now is a good time to take a break to hear a word from our show sponsor, Car Shield. Now's a good time to thank our show sponsor, Car Shield. We're all about who's the greatest here, and Car Shield really goes to the mat for vehicle owners. They're the number one most trusted auto service protection company in America, and they're here to help protect you from surprise car repair costs. Flexible month-to-month -month plans through Car Shield can cover up to 5,000 parts of your car after they break down. When you're covered through CarShield, you'll always have someone in your corner at the repair shop. Visit carshield.com and check it out now. Now, back to the show.
All right, welcome back to the show, um, and thank you to Car Shield. Um, so, as I was saying before the break, you know, we love the X's and O's of the sport, but we love where's people, where are people's mindsets at whenever they go into these fights, into these training camps, you know, and that's that to me is the most important part, you know. The people at home, especially those that criticize us, you know, the armchair quarterback sitting on the couch, uh, eating a bag of potato chips and like criticizing us for what we do. If you had any idea what the training was like, and the training isn't even the hardest part. If you had any idea what the mindset of a fighter was like, what it was like to go through a training camp, a series of ups and downs every single day, mentally, physically, and spiritually, things that we're going through, other obligations that we have. Um, the Imagine the things that are going on in your life right now. Now imagine you're training for a, a fight in front of millions of people inside of a cage under a very small, short list of, of a specific rule set of men who are trying to take your head off and do it violently and do it in public. Um, I don't say that to, for anybody to um, feel sorry for us. We know what we signed up for. We love what we do. But ultimately, um, it's not just the, the moments that you see inside of the cage on a Saturday night in some arena somewhere. It's the weeks. It's the months leading up to um, those fights. And I think everybody's – we've talked about a couple different mentalities um, – and I know earlier we kind of, you know, have bashed on Brad Katona, um, but it's not really bashing. You know, I think if Brad, Brad and I are completely cool, but um, he just had a different mentality than a lot of the guys did. And he kept that same mentality. The mentality was, well, a lot of these guys are on team Chandler. I'm on team Brad Katona. My loyalty lies with, with you know, with team Brad Katona, which honestly, the funny thing is me coming into this as a coach I'm like, dude, come on, man. We're a team here. We all need to, we all need to be copacetic and, and feed off of each other so we can go out there and get these wins. Um, but ultimately, if all of a sudden I had to go be a contestant on this show, I'm not saying I wouldn't agree with him completely. I'm not saying I wouldn't be tailoring my training to um, and my mentality to and my asks, um, my requests uh, for making sure these coaches put me in the best situation to be successful. And that's very much how Brad was. You know, you saw, I think it was episode two or three back in the day talking about um, fight film and fight footage and watching fights of, of his opponent, Carlos, which I, which eventually happened, but they were showing a clip from week one when he was fighting in week two later on. And uh, I obviously was a little bit resistant to it. But once again, going back to not just managing these practices, managing the physicalities of the sport, managing the physicalities of these guys, but also managing the mental, managing the emotional, the spiritual, making sure these guys give them what they need, but also sometimes give them what they want. I was always focused on giving these guys what they need. And I was kind of, I wanted to be in control. It wasn't in a, you know, it wasn't a, uh, I don't know, narcissistic, I'm in charge, braggadocious kind of guy. Hey, shut up. You're on team channel. You're going to do what I say. But there was a certain aspect of, Hey man, just trust in the process. And I don't expect you to trust in the process after, after only knowing me for a week. And it just so happens I'm going to be fighting the guy who's at your team and you train over at SBG Ireland and all that stuff. I don't, I'm not saying that I would have been able to be as open-minded as, as I'm, I guess, uh, eluding to how I would be if I was on the show, but I am saying it was, uh, it was tough. But we uh, we worked through it. But so you got you know Brad's mentality. You got Cody's mentality. Who obviously you guys saw a couple episodes. He's working through an injury. You got Jason Knight who was working through a cut. Um, you have these guys who were going through a bunch of different things. Plus, they're missing their families. 
plus they're missing. They haven't talked to these people, the people that they love the most. They have, they don't have cell phones. They don't have any technology. Uh, you saw last week when I broke the episode eight down with jelly roll, who, how he talked about being in prison. Um, and all they give you is if you're in the hole, they give you religious materials. So you can have a, a Bible, a Quran, a book of Buddha or Latter-day Saints, whatever those religious uh, teachings are, the religious books, if you will, no fiction, no entertainment whatsoever, because they want to keep you in this pressure cooker called the ultimate fighter, where you have no, unless you just want to go to your room and look up and stare at the ceiling and sing a song to yourself or tell yourself a story, you're going to be out there talking to people. If you're talking to people, you might disagree. If you disagree, they're going to catch it on camera. Then they can use the little clip. You know, it's, it's reality TV. It's not well, anything we didn't sign up for, but it makes a lot of sense. We like a little bit of banter back and forth. We like a little bit of, uh, we like a little bit of hostility. We like a little bit of tension, right? Um, so where these guys are and not being able to speak to their families, um, no phone calls, no text messages. They haven't looked at their Instagram in four weeks. They haven't, um, seen their loved ones faces. I think they each got a picture or two. Obviously you've seen a couple guys carry pictures. Um, so where, where these guys are, away from everybody and in this pressure cooker we call the ultimate fighter and they all have their own different uh emotional states where they're at um and roosevelt um we want to show a clip of of roosevelt roosevelt was definitely a very um kind of has a harsh exterior he kind of came in kind of with that brad brad katona mindset i'm gonna go there i ain't gonna make no friends i ain't gonna be buddy buddy with nobody i'm gonna go there and me Roosevelt Roberts, I'm going to go there. I'm going to win this show. I'm going to go change my life and change my life for my family. And even though he lost tonight, I still believe he will be in the UFC. Um, and I do believe he's going to change his life for his family, irregardless of whether he won or lost in this episode. But um, let's hear what he, um, what, we, what we were talking about. He's getting ready to fight Roosevelt. And actually, I think I said it because Roosevelt and I had this uh, conversation numerous times on the show. I think when it comes to Roe, Roe said, you know, I came into this thing, didn't want to make any friends. I was going to kind of keep to myself, not trying to be a part of a team, buddy-buddy stuff. I'm going to come out here to win it. Then all of a sudden, it turned out he made a couple friends. <laughs> Turns out. Since we got here, me and Austin been training with each other since day one. He's funny, you know, we, me and him could chill and talk. Good training partner, hard training partner. So we know where our strengths and weaknesses are. I know he knows that I'm going to come forward, and I know he's going to come forward. You know, I think this is going to be a, uh, an exciting fight. It's going to be a fight that everyone is going to want to watch. So he comes in, comes in. I'm not making any friends. I'm buddy, no buddy-buddy stuff. I'm going to kind of keep to myself. And it turns out he made some friends. You know, it turns out even him, like you talked about Austin Hubbard. And actually, I think the, the deepest friendship that I saw on the entire show was Jason Knight and Roosevelt, uh, Roosevelt Roberts. Um, they came from two completely different walks of life. Um, they look a lot different, uh, probably have a lot of different views on certain things, but then all of a sudden they, they became really good friends and obviously they, they didn't get matched up, um, or at least yet possibly. Um, and, uh, he's got to fight Austin and he's like, well, you know, I liked Austin. Turns out I liked him. Turns out, uh, you know, we could talk about this. We could chill. We could hang out because going back to, you haven't seen your family. You haven't had technology. You haven't listened to a song. You haven't seen a, anything on TV. You have nothing to keep your mind off of what you're going through aside from 
having conversations with other people who are stuck in the same situation that you are. Um, you know, it's kind of that, the old adage of, you know, Hey, you want to, whenever you're going through something, you want to find somebody who's kind of going through the same thing because ultimately God created us for community. He created us for relationships and finding common ground between yourself and somebody else. Allah here, Roosevelt and Austin sitting out, hanging. You saw in the opening clip, those guys are like, well, we're fighting each other fist bump. Let's go finish that card game, you know, with kind of a, kind of a, kind of a smile, like, well, we started the card game, not as opponents. Now we have to finish the card game sitting next to each other, playing cards against the guy that I'm going to fight here in a very short amount of time. Um, you know, so Roosevelt not wanting to come in and make friends. And then it turns out he did. And I think that's just a testament to team Chandler, our coaching staff, who we were, how we operated. Maybe it was the right way. Maybe it was the wrong way. I know there's a lot of people talking all over the world that, that kind of are talking about how great of a coach I am. And I think the success that you see is just a byproduct of having a great coaching staff, guys who have been there before done that. Um, and they just had a good spirit about them. I wanted to make sure these guys were put in a, in a family atmosphere. And if they wanted to choose to become a part of the family, they could. And if they didn't want to, you know, like a Katona, it's, it was not going to be bad for them. They were, we were still going to focus on them. We we're still going to give them the best training possible. But I think ultimately uh, your heart was going to be filled. Your bucket was going to be filled, so to speak, by being a part of Team Chandler. So now we had that clip of me talking about Roe and then Roe saying, yeah, you know, me saying, hey, he didn't really want to become friends. Then he said, oh, I like Austin. I feel like we could chill. We're cool dudes. And then we get done with the fight and the fight is over now. Split decision goes to Austin Hubbard. Um, which they gave us two different locker rooms, by the way. If you notice, it says Austin Hubbard here. And then it said uh, Roosevelt Roberts down the, down the hallway here. They had to put them in two different uh, locker rooms, obviously. So we, me and my coaching staff were bouncing back and forth to coach each of these guys. So Roe goes into Austin's um, locker room here after the fight. Oh, uh, Jason Strout. Nothing but respect and love. I told myself I wasn't gonna come out here. I wasn't gonna be friendly. I wasn't gonna sit there and talk to people. I was coming out here for a go. And I came in here and I lost sight of that. Bottom line is that I didn't do my job and come out there like how I usually come out fast and hard and just pushing the pace. And you know, that set me back in. You know, ended up getting the split. Man, here's, you know, I mean, loss of somebody that I respect. Loss of someone up. that I respect. Keep my head up. Hard. Keep your head up, dude. Push forward. Ro, keep, keep your head up. up. As I said, Roosevelt Roberts put in any other situation where he he gets eight weeks to train for somebody who doesn't know, gets to go out there and smash their face. Um, maybe he performs better. Maybe he doesn't. And actually, as I'm sitting here watching this, and we didn't talk about this before, would Roosevelt, this is the first time that I've ever thought about this, would Roosevelt have done better on Team McGregor? Or would he have done better on Team Chandler? Now going back and watching this, I came in here. I didn't want to didn't want to make friends. I didn't want this family atmosphere. I didn't want this close, tight knit bond. And now I'm questioning every everything because I went out there and I fought. You know, I fought outside of myself. I didn't get to go out there and start as fast as I would or as I normally would. I didn't go out there with kind of that vicious ferocity that I normally do. It begs the question, and I never really thought about this. I just kind of looked at this and thought, well, it was just a, you know, you're a victim of the circumstance of the sport that we love called mixed martial arts. And he hit you a couple times more than you hit him. And, or he held you down a little bit longer than you held him down. And the judges gave him the nod. Um, and I don't think, I don't think 
Roosevelt would have meshed at all with Connor. So it, it would have been, he would have had a lot bigger problems than, oh man, I got two buddy, buddy. We had too great of a, too close of a team. Um, so I think of those two quote unquote problems, being a part of something where people loved you, loved on you, had a really tight knit team. And all of a sudden you had to fight one of your teammates and you didn't go out there with that normal vicious, um, fight style compared to being stuck at, on a team where, you know, Roosevelt and Connor would not have got a lot, gotten along, but he might've gotten along really well with, with the assistant coaches. I don't know. Um, but I didn't expect to ever say that cause I never actually thought about that. Um, but it does beg the question. A lot of questions gone unanswered. Maybe we'll never, you know, obviously we'll never know. Um, but ultimately you put Roosevelt in a scenario where he's not going out there and fighting a guy who he's been playing cards with and wearing the same color as and cutting weight with and training with the last four weeks, you might see a, a different type of performance. I'm not saying it would have been a, a different outcome. I'm not saying that Roosevelt would have definitely beat Austin. Um, but I think you would have seen a different, um, I guess a different performance. Um, so that's another reason why I'm looking to get these guys in the UFC. These guys are going to get in the UFC, whether I'm making phone calls, um, making pleads, <laughs> uh, begging for these guys. These guys deserve it. So, um, but ultimately, you know, you kind of see the, the regret, you know, it's a little bit of regret. Like, and of course, this is what we do as mixed martial artists. And those, those who have never fought um, or competed at a high level will never be able to understand this. But whenever... Whenever the pressure is all on you, it's solely on your back and you can't blame anybody else. You got to look for reasons why you lost. Why did I lose? Was it a tactical error? Was it an emotional error? Was it a training error? Era, I, error I didn't train hard enough. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't do everything I needed to. Was it a judging error? I mean, we can make all kinds of different excuses and point the finger in a tougher bunch of different ways. So of course, Roosevelt gets done with this fight and says, man, I let myself down because I told myself I wasn't going to do this and I did. But I think ultimately Roosevelt became a, a, a better man throughout this process and, and ultimately to a better fighter. These losses don't count on your record. Um, so obviously it's not a loss on his record. And uh, I believe he's going to be in the UFC. Um, so it's, uh, it's interesting to see that kind of reality set in with, or with uh, Roosevelt at the end where he... Uh, kind of questions everything. And obviously Austin did what he needed to do. He's the victor, you know, and last night in, in the fights, he gets his hand raised, he moves forward, he moves on to the semifinals. And now he is going to fight the winner of uh, the next matchup, which is going to be Louisiana versus Mississippi, Kurt Hollibaugh versus uh, Jason Knight. Um, so it's, uh, it was an interesting episode too, because you guys saw me and I actually pulled this out at Connor over there in the corner. As, as I was watching the episode, I'm looking through my backpack. I'm looking through all these drawers. I'm like, I know that Sharpie somewhere. If you guys notice when you're wa if you're watching me corner these guys, I got this Sharpie in my hand and this Sharpie was with me on the ultimate fighter. It was kind of like my anchor. <laughs> um, so when you're in the locker room, cut man comes in, tapes your hands or wraps your hands, gauze, and then does the tape and then puts the pre-wrap or whatever it is on. Then he puts the, um, puts the glove on and then he puts the blue tape or the red tape signifying blue corner, red corner. And then they use a Sharpie and put in this one, they would have put NSAC, Nevada State Athletic Commission, I believe, um, or they put some kind of insignia on it, some kind of, uh, some kind of way to show that it, it, it has been approved by one of the commissioners. And when this Sharpie was sitting around and I was like, man, 
took it with me, walked it out there. I was like, man, I need something. I'm fidgeting. I'm nervous. I'm sweating. Um, and obviously you saw the way that we coached, the way that we cornered. Um, I just wasn't going to say anything. And I didn't say anything. We had in this fight, I think we had uh, Drysdale and Roosevelt Roberts corner. And we had um, Bob Cook in Austin Hubbard's corner. You saw them. They didn't do any coaching during the fight. They were just there to walk out with the guys, support the guys, give them water if they needed, um, wipe them off, blood, sweat, whatever um, a referee might ask a corner to do. They were really just there um, to be silent and not really coach because I, I thought that was the best way to make it as fair as possible. Um, because the last thing I would ever want to do is have these guys thinking that I'm pulling for one of these guys because I really wasn't. Um, Connor over there in the corner when I were watching asked, did you want one of these guys to win? And I think that's a, a very normal question. And ultimately, no, I didn't. You know, I wanted both guys, may the best man win. Whenever you start realizing that this sport is so much about chance, luck, um, zig when you should have zagged, um, performances that you know you could have done more, performances where you were completely out outside of yourself, performing phenomenally. Um, these guys could fight 10 times and you might get a different outcome every single time. They could split five and five. That's how close these guys were. So um, we got one more clip for you guys, right? I'm going to show a clip. What's that? Yeah. Oh yeah. One, uh, one fun fact. Um, and I love how they cut this thing. Um, so as you guys saw, Roosevelt was a quarter pound over and I would have never suggested this ever. Uh, but Roosevelt's like, Hey man, you think I should cut this hair? And I'm like, pick it up. And I'm like, it's a freaking heavy hair, dude. He's probably got a pound of hair on his head. Maybe not a pound, but probably a half pound easily. And uh, it is funny the way that they cut it. You can go ahead and, and roll it. Um, uh, the way that they cut it, I'm like, well, hey, man, if they, uh, if they, if you cut your hair, there's no way he's not going to give you the weight because you knew he was like within an eighth, a quarter of a pound. I mean, he said quarter. If you, if you cut your hair, he's, he's going to give it to you. <laughs> so it shows it. And there, there comes Mondo, the resident barber, cuts by Mondo, the man. He's on Team McGregor, but we all became friends with him because he's a good dude. He goes back there in the locker room and gets his hair cut. So the, for those of you who don't know, you don't make weight the first time. You get an hour to then go cut more weight or cut your hair off. Um, and, uh, but the way that they cut it, just like, uh, just like they showed back a couple episodes ago where I knew that I was going to suggest that Cody fought with, uh, you know, the injured knee because this is his moment of opportunity, but I knew I couldn't be like, Hey Cody, forget what that doctor said, dude, go out there and fight, dude be a tough guy. I knew I couldn't do it. I knew it had to be his decision just like that. That's how this was as well. When he came up to me and said, Hey man, I might just cut my hair. I don't want to get back in that sauna. Cause he was having a tough weight cut. Sometimes your body just stops sweating and it's like, dude, I ain't giving you anymore. You did this wrong or your elect our electrolytes are off stuff's going on, dude. I ain't giving you any more weight. So, um, I think Roosevelt knew that's where he was at, but the way that they cut it was like, Hey man, you cut your hair. There ain't no way he's not giving, giving you the you know, the, the nod because, and that's not like a, it kind of sounds like it's, it could be, Hey, cut your hair and he'll give it to you. That's not how it works. But we knew you, you should feel the weight of this dude's hair. You know, he's got all those dreads. Uh, I think he even apologized to a couple of people. He's like, man, sorry, um, that I cut my hair off. And, uh, but the way that they cut it, it made it look like it was my decision or, or my suggestion. And I would have never suggested that. Uh, I would have just been like, dude, get your sauna suit back on. Let's go hit it. Let's go run outside. It's, it's uh, hot and sunny. Let's go. Um, but also too, I take myself back to that moment too. And they actually showed it in the, they actually showed it in the episode. Uh, 
Roosevelt, Roosevelt was a big, uh, I wouldn't say he talks to himself a lot, a lot, but he kind of would just, he would just kind of say things where he wasn't really talking to anybody. He was kind of talking to himself out loud. He's like, man, Ro, look what you did to yourself, man. Man, Ro, look what you did to yourself, man. He like, he's <laughs> looking in the mirror and, he, and I don't mean to laugh. I'm not laughing at him, dude. Um, but you know, it's just a tough situation that you're in and he's just like, God, look what you did to yourself, man. And then, uh, you know, the, Everybody kind of was, you know, giving some props to you. Look good, man. Some people made fun of him a little bit. He making fun of himself. It was just a, what a fun experience, right? And uh, then I think he got more comfortable with it and had a couple of days to train. And then he obviously went out there and fought. But um, just wanted to show you guys that clip. And it was, uh, it was a funny scenario because I'm sure anybody out there who has been watching mixed martial arts for a while, um, there's a lot of different ways to lose that extra quarter pound. And cutting your hair is uh, one of them. We've seen people shave their heads. We've seen people do this. You know, this was a very much a makeshift. It was funny too because Mondo, um, like I said, shout out to Mondo. He's he he was giving haircuts to everybody um, throughout the show, and he was really upset with his work. He's like, dude, I didn't get. I just went out there. I basically went back there and cut his dreads off, and I didn't get an opportunity to actually give him a nice shaped up haircut. And uh, now it's on national TV on ESPN. My haircut looks stupid. I'm like, hey, dude, it's all good, man. We know you just went out there, hacked it all off, and you go clean it up later. So I think he went back to the house that night, cleaned it up. And then uh, Ro was feeling a little bit better about the haircut instead of just the hair uh, weed whacker job that he got back there, back there in the uh, in the locker room right before he had to go out there and make weight. But um, since this is a solo uh, show, and uh, as I said before too, one of the reasons I wanted to give you guys a solo show as well is because I thought this was a good time for us to go, you know, kind of round one, so to speak, was completely. Uh, done now. And now all of this, all of the quarterfinals are over. Now we move into the semifinals and I kind of wanted to give you guys a little bit more of me speaking more into the microphone. Whereas if we had a guest here, I wouldn't have been able to think of these certain things, like even going back to, you know, episode one with Katona or bringing up the Cody Gibson thing and all of the reality show pressure cooker thing that we call mixed martial arts in uh, a reality show called the ultimate fighter. So I wanted to give you guys a solo show, and I also reached out uh, via Instagram earlier and uh, had some people send in some questions. So let's go ahead and go through a couple questions um, that were sent in by you guys, the fans. First one is, what was your mindset when coaching your guys? Um, that was uh, Crazy Dog 55 um, So my mindset, as I've touched on a lot, the X's and the O's are going to kind of take care of themselves. Jason Strout was going to work on the boxing and Drysdale was going to work on the grappling and Bob Cook and, and Ryan Bader were going to do grappling and cage work and cage control and more philosophical stuff about how to win these fights uh, on the Ultimate Fighter. We had Sean Soriano come in and do uh, some pad work as well. We were going to get these guys good with the X's and the, X's and the O's, but the biggest thing for me was getting these guys to believe in themselves. And ultimately, if we didn't train at all, they didn't get better at all. They didn't get in more shape, at better shape at all. How can I speak to the spirit of the man so that when he goes in there and st steps inside the octagon, that he's going to be able to be heart full, eyes open, ears open, seeing everything, feeling, feeling like he can go out there and win the world. That's all I cared about. Um, and then really focusing on when it did come to the X's and O's, more cage control in that first round, just to make sure you can burn the clock and win your fights and uh, get your hand raised and move on to the semifinals. Next one, uh, Lennon underscore N-E said, would you do it again? 
Um, I think if you would have asked me two and a half weeks into the show, when I called my wife with tears in my eyes and I was homesick and I was, wasn't sleeping very well. And my mind was going a thousand miles, miles an hour. Felt like I was getting sick, which I never get sick. Felt like I was run down. I'd probably be like, heck no, I ain't doing this again. But now here we are a couple months removed, nine episodes in, obviously team Chandler having massive success. The lifelong relationships, friendships that I've created, um, being on ESPN every single week for an hour straight, um, the love that y'all have shown me and just the experience that I had, I would definitely do it again. And actually I've thought I probably should do it again. Not only should I do it again, I'm probably going to ask to do it again because I think I loved it. I think you guys would love to see it. I think you guys, uh, a lot of people I've seen, been seeing the love out there that I was the best coach in tough history. Not quite sure if that's true, but I, uh, I ain't one of the worst. I'll tell you that much. Um, so would I do it again? Absolutely. Next question, cowboy.bullfighter.james. How is it you can be both a badass in the octagon and the greatest coach ever? Well, there it is. There's a, there's a greatest coach ever comment. Um, you know, I think I've always just been different than a lot of fighters. Um, I've always looked at the sport a lot differently, a lot deeper. And my priorities are different than most people. Most people say, hey, if I train every single day and I work on the X's and the O's and I get in the best shape and I get become the best, most deadly striker and the best, most dangerous grappler and the best cardio and strong and all these kind of things, then ultimately I'm going to be successful. But it's not true. The most important thing that you can do is build your mind, build your heart and feel fulfilled with what you're doing. When I wake up every single morning and I'm able to train like I train and do what I do and have you guys comment and talk to me and, and leave, you know, uh, beautiful things that you leave me about how hard I train and, and how disciplined I am and all that stuff stems from my contentment and peace with what I'm doing and the, the gratitude that I have for what I get to do. So I think when you talk about how is it that I can be a badass in the octagon, but then be a good coach, it all goes back to my mentality of gratitude over everything loving what we get to do because at some point I'm just going to be a guy on a microphone here who doesn't have a fight coming up in the near future. At some point I'm going to retire and at some point I'm going to be done with the sport. And at some point I'm going to have to only live with the memories that I have, the possible regrets that I might have, the things that I'm proud of, the masterpiece that I painted over the last 15 years for my sons to see, um, for you guys, the fans to see. So I've always looked at it in such a deeper context and more human than just us being out there being a bunch of pugilists. So I think that's, that's where my mentality comes from. And that's where I tried to speak that into these guys lives while we were there uh, in Vegas filming the show. Next question. Valdemar underscore Heildig underscore. How do you feel after winning every single fight except one? Well, I'd probably feel a lot better if we did win every single fight. Um, obviously, seven and one is domination. Seven and one is a massive success. Seven and one essentially secures, um, you know, the fact that there's no way we didn't win the show. We definitely won the show. Um, and then also the three guys who were told to switch teams. Two of those guys actually don't switch teams because they love the team bond that we have. Um, so, or at least it looks like they're not going to switch teams. They both said, Hey, I'm staying team Chandler. I'm staying, you know, um, so we'll see kind of what happens there. But I think ultimately going seven and one proves that, you know, we were obviously more successful and I would like to attest that to, I'd like to be able to connect that to me, my coaching staff, our mentality, the team atmosphere that we created me as a coach, my coaching staff as a coach and my guys, I got lucky. You know, I got lucky that Connor 
won that first coin toss. I felt like I lost, but actually I won. So then I get to choose the veterans uh, on my first choice after I get the 135 vet or the 155 veterans. Um, so I feel good, um, obviously, but my man Hunter, wish we could have got him a, a win, but this is the sport that we chose. Um, so next one is uh, P underscore Garza. Did you mix the way previous coaches coached you to coach your fighters and was, or was it your way? Actually, that's a great question. Obviously being an athlete and never a coach, you know, now I'm a, I'm a veteran of the sport, some, somewhat of a mentor to a lot of the younger guys who are in the sport. Um, but I've never been really a coach. This is my first time being a coach. Yeah. I take little bits and pieces of stuff all the way back from my high school coaches, Ron and Bob Wilhelm, all the way to my current head coach, Henry Hooft and everyone in between Brian Smith at Mizzou, um, all the different coaches I've had in mixed martial arts too, because while mixed martial arts and wrestling are similar, they are two different sports, but, um, you know, I just think God has blessed me with a, a phenomenal road my entire career. And I've had so many great people around me. And I know for a fact um, that I wouldn't be sitting here today with the su success that I've had, had it not been for all the amazing coaches that I've had in my life. And that's what I tell my son now. My son happens six and he's been doing sports now the last couple of years. And, you know, he has a little bit of a tough time listening to coaches every now and then as every six-year-old does. So I try not to, you know, try not to be too hard on him with it, but really kind of reinforcing that you know, there's a quote that I love um, that a coach will touch more hearts in one year than a lot of people do in an entire lifetime. And I think that's very, very true. Coaches have the ability to change people's lives, to change the trajectory of people's lives. And I've always looked at coaching and athletics and being an athlete like that. I've always had an immense amount of respect for all of my coaches. There's been a few here and there that I didn't really mesh really well with, but overall, they are my superior. They are my general. They are my they are my boss, so to speak. And ultimately, it's always worked out well for me by being an underling, being a subordinate, being the guy underneath the head coach. It's always worked out well for me. And I think a lot of guys who have decided to run their own training camps, hire a bunch of yes men around them, it just doesn't really work out. I need someone. I need someone who is who I feel like I'm going to disappoint if I have a bad day. I need somebody who I feel like I'm going to disappoint if I don't show up to practice. I need somebody I'm going to disappoint if I don't do things 100% right. And that's my mentality. I think it's the best way, um, but also to each his own. But ultimately, those that are coachable, um, coachable athletes underneath a, a coach and a coaching staff and listen are the ones that are going to be the most successful because overall, after all is said and done, it shows humility. And without humility, it's really hard to be successful. Uh, last question. DJ1MO says, the most important thing that you learn about um, the, whole show, the whole show that's going to help you with your next fight. So the most important thing that I learned throughout the show is going to help me with my next fight. You know, I think ultimately... Being on ESPN every single week has given me a ridiculous platform. Um, you guys have seen the YouTube here grow. You guys have seen the platform continue to grow. Um, I've been extremely busy and it's been nice to be that guy. You know, I think ultimately I always wanted to become and step into being that guy, being a, a bigger name in the sport. And that's been one of the very big things that I've been able to step into, which overall gives me more confidence going into my next fight with Connor, going in there and being that guy, stepping into the man that I was supposed to be and the man that I have been fashioned to be and become, and then stepping into an even bigger level when I go out there and beat Connor within the first two rounds when we fight. Um, 
that would be the biggest thing I think. And then the sec secondly, just being around Connor, you know, I think, uh, we don't, sometimes you guys think this is, we get to see each other a lot, or we all get to see, you know, the guys that we're going to fight a lot. A lot of times you don't see the guy that you're going to fight until 12 hours before weigh-ins, you know, a press conference 24 hours before weigh-ins, so to speak, or, uh, rather, um, that's the first time you kind of get to see him. You get to face off me and Connor were around each other for five, almost five weeks, every single day, seeing each other or seeing his coaches. Um, so being kind of entrenched with the guy that you're going to fight, I think gives me more confidence because it takes away the mystique of who that guy is. You get to see them in the human form. You get to see the two arms and two legs. You get to see the heartbeat. You get to see the, be around the person that you're going to fight. So I think um, those two things, just stepping into this big platform that is the ultimate fighter and then being around the guy that you eventually get to fight. So thank you. Um, those five or six people who sent, well, there was a bunch of questions, but we kind of had to filter through a lot of them. Um, and answer the ones that we, uh, that we felt led to answer because we don't want to keep you guys here all day long, but, um, that about, that about wraps it up for, uh, episode nine. Um, we are done with the quarterfinals completely. Uh, we just had Roosevelt Roberts versus Austin Hubbard, the semifinal at lightweight, uh, Austin Hubbard advances. So he will be in the ultimate fighter finale whenever that is. Um, I know you guys are waiting to see when it's going to be, when it gets announced. Um, Maybe I know, maybe I don't, but, um, so it'll be, uh, coming up here and these guys, you know, obviously we got three more episodes. we got three more fights and all of those guys will fight for the title of becoming the ultimate fighter and get a contract with a, uh, with the UFC. So thank you guys so much for, uh, tuning in every single week. The response, like I said, has been awesome. Um, definitely throw your comments down in the comment section. Uh, I will be probably, um, Wednesday, I'll be, I'll be filming a, uh, a commercial for car shield, um, and flying back that day. So maybe I'll be able to hop in the comments and, uh, respond. I don't know. You guys saw last week I was in the comments nonstop, just talking to people. People didn't think it was me, but it actually was me. I was actually sitting at a Starbucks, um, uh, a couple miles from here, sitting there all by myself, staring at my phone for like two hours, talking to you guys. So, um, thank you all for being a part of this community and really, op uh, opening your arms to this show and give, letting, giving me a platform for you guys to listen to my insight into this crazy thing that we call the ultimate fighter. Um, thank you to our show sponsor car shield for supporting us. And thank you guys for all the likes, the subscriptions, the comments, um, get in there and let me know what you th thought about this episode, what we could do better. Um, and because uh, we're always trying to get better for you guys and we're always trying to bring you value. So this has been episode nine of the Tough 31 Reaction Show hosted by yours truly brought to you by Car Shield. And as always, God bless. We'll see you at the top.